So what what do you think then that you look for in video games? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I play video games for the same reason that I trip on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, great intro. I think we're done. I think we can leave it at that. Welcome to Pixel Therapy, the video game podcast where we look at the games we play through the lens of the player, where what you play is just as important as how you play it, and where emotional intelligence is a critical stat. Usually, we are coming to you every other week uh, where we bring on a guest who may or may not consider themselves a gamer to discuss one of the games that made them and changed them. However, this is a special bonus episode. <laughs> bonus episode! Bonus episode! <laughs> uh, Spencer and I are new to the podcasting game, and huh? we wanted to... <laughs> yeah, I know. Shocker. Uh, we wanted to give everyone a chance to maybe get to know us a little better. So we're trying this thing uh, that we are calling co-op mode. mode. And uh, there you go. Lots of fun mic sounds for you today. Um, but yeah, it's just going to be the two of us having a conversation around a video game topic. And we hope you enjoy it. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to introduce myself as your co-host, Jamie. And my pronouns are she, her. And I'm your co-host, Spencer. And my pronouns are they, them. And this is Pixel Therapy Co-op Mode. Co-op Mode. Uh, uh, so, so pull up an armchair. Maybe that's not really the vibe that we're setting, I guess. Uh, you know what? Yeah, get sit down on the couch. Get your controller in your hand. Oh, yeah, settle on your gaming chair, your chair specifically for gaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the one that is just for gaming and not for just sitting around. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't use my gaming chair for Buckle in. Yes, yeah, strap, <laughs> strap in to your racer chair. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about our feelings mm-hmm. about some video game stuff. Uh, but first Spencer, just, you know, how are you? How's it going? How's life? I'm well, thank you for asking. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed my first like nine hour night of sleep in a while, which was amazing. Whoa. Um, I woke awesome. up this morning at seven instead of five, which was nice. Um, congrats. And I awoke to a notification that the Nintendo, that the special edition Animal Crossing Nintendo Switch that I had ordered had arrived in the night. You and so <laughs> <laughs> I, what I did this morning was I, I hooked it up. I marveled at its beauty yes. and loving this like mint teal color combo. Very, it's a soothing. really pretty console. It's, it's beautiful. a really pretty console. Yeah. Um, I immediately downloaded one Hades and two uh, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm playing Hades right now. It's so good. Oh, God. I literally, just, like five minutes before I was like, time to hang out with Jamie, I was start, like Hades had finished downloading. So <laughs> I started the first like five minutes. Um, everyone's super sexy, as you would expect from, uh, what do they call Super Giant? Is that the? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Voice acting and music is choice. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're playing it too, so you know. You already know. Yeah, I think uh, I want to play more of it, and I want you to play more of it, and then yeah. I think let's let's have a real conversation about it. But yeah. Su- Super Giant's like my favorite developer of all yeah, time. they rock. I I love them so much, and and Hades is uh, just another and a long line of amazing games from this yeah. team. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the main main long story short is. Congratulations to me, the proud parent of a new Switch. Um, <laughs> thank you. It was a long wait. Um, I just yeah, I'm you've been excited. looking for a Switch for a while. We, yeah, we I couldn't been, get one. I know they've been hard to come by. And honestly, I was I was getting like the 
I get the IGN like daily deal, oh, deals mm-hmm. emails and they've had the switch in there and I almost like forwarded to you just like <laughs> FYI and I was like Spencer just got a PS5 they probably don't want to buy another new console <laughs> it's the and podcast you- <laughs> it's the people oh with yeah me and we're like listen are you playing Hades and I was like no and they're like um well you really sh- like you don't have a switch like you have you you do a video game podcast so you don't have a switch and I was like okay I I'm sorry and so like three people sent me links I. I followed them. I just, it was out of my hands. Okay? I just, I followed the link. I followed the, well, if it's a business expense, you should put it in our budget. Yeah, track. right. <laughs> Look, if someone sends me a link, I click it. What can I say? <laughs> That's amazing. But well, uh, um, how are you? How are you? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm all right. Uh, yesterday morning, I was having just, a, you know, ironically, yesterday was World Mental Health Day, right? It yeah. Was yesterday. So like, yeah, just in perfect fashion, I woke Mm. up just being hypercritical of myself for no reason. Um, But uh, then we recorded a podcast and had some tech issues. And for some reason, that shook me out of it. So I've I've been better uh, since then. You were uh, just celebrating World Mental Health awareness day you were super aware of it (laughs) i was super aware (laughs) of my mental health uh no but i'm I'm good today and yeah i've been playing hades uh like we said i played yeah i played a lot of that last night i've also been playing telling lies oh what's that um it's uh we actually talked about this with jamila a little bit they were playing this jamila bradley when they were on the podcast yeah Um, check out episode three check out episode three uh it's a like a found footage game where mm. you're scro- you're going through found footage. The I I'm the name of the developer is not in my brain right now, mm-hmm. but they also made the game Her Story. Uh, oh. if folks are familiar with that one. Um, okay. Cool. I'm liking it so far. You're basically sitting at a computer just going through a bunch of uh, footage, and it's all a FMV file, so it's it's real human actors uh, in the footage that you're wow. watching. Um, and you're going through, you're trying to, you, the way you interface with the game is that you put in uh, keywords. You can search keywords and find videos uh, that include um, those keywords. Like in the computer? To, yeah, yeah. So uh, you, what you see on the screen is a computer screen. Nice. And you can go into the little search field and type in a word. For example, the game starts by putting the word love into the search field and that mm. populates videos. You're restricted to um, only being able to access the first five results mm. of words. So if you put in a super popular word like the, you're going to get, that's <laughs> not going to be helpful. You're going to get yeah. a ton of results and you're only going to be able to watch the first five. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you're, cool. you watch those videos and then you're trying to piece together the mystery. But the videos are uh, only recorded on one side of a conversation. So for example, if two people mm-hmm. are having a, a Skype conversation, uh, you're only seeing one side of it. So you have to listen to that side and try and figure out what might be a word that was said in the other side of the conversation and then try and find that video <gasps> file Whoa, to, freaky. to pair it up. And uh, yeah, and you're trying to like piece together what happened to these people. Nice. Uh, oh, so that developer, I just looked it up. It's Sam Barlow and Furious B Limited. Um, also, I just wanted to note that I, I was just, I was reading more about this game and there's two reviews that are popping up on Google. One is five stars and one is one star. The five star one says, this game has a brilliant format. You're watching videos, each of which is one side of a recorded video call conversation. Each, each uh, conversation is a puzzle piece. And then the one star review says, 
this is not really a game at all. It's a concept <laughs> in storytelling. You just watch a bunch of boring video clips in random order. And at some point, you have to figure out what the story is. So it's, it's funny that it's the same uh, review. <laughs> yeah. But one person was like, oh, the mechanic of this game is very cool. And the other yeah. person was like, this isn't a game. Yeah. I get to decide what is and isn't a game. Yeah. Um, one star. Yeah. <laughs> one star. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm sure I'll have more deeper thoughts on that later, but that is, uh, those are the two games that I'm playing right now is Hades and Telling Lies, and I am enjoying them both for different reasons. Telling Lies is definitely like more of a chill, uh, end of the night kind of an experience, and Hades is, uh, I've got to sit forward and (laughs) get the sweaty palms (laughs) and, (laughs) and try and fight all of these, uh, monsters in Hades. But, uh, yeah, so we wanted to... Uh, like we said, we're doing these episodes uh, partially to give folks more of an opportunity to get to know us and our gaming tastes um, and partially just for funsies because we like recording podcasts together and clearly we have plenty to say to each other. And to you. (laughs) And to you, our our wonderful listeners. Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, So our topic for today, we wanted to start by talking a bit about uh, the kind of video games that Spencer and I do like to play. Um, And we, what we realized, in, in starting to have more conversations about this and think more about it is that uh, Spencer and I both play games in a very solitary way. Um, we play mostly single player games and mostly by ourselves. Um, and then clearly we like to talk about it after, but I just think it's, it's interesting that neither of us really seek out multiplayer games or mm-hmm. like deep community uh, around the games that we're playing. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, I wanted to start with uh, asking you, Spencer, why why don't you seek out multiplayer games? Why is gaming such a solitary activity for you? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because, like, even when I I would be going over to your house all the time, like in pre quarantine pre quarantine days, like I often feel like sometimes I would just rather watch you play a campaign or game that you're currently playing rather than stop you and be like, let's play a multiplayer game. Um, and I definitely have like my own etiquette around like watching someone play a game. Because I think if someone was watching me play a game, it would it would give me anxiety if they were, you know, trying to tell me what moves to make or being like, oh, you missed that thing, or asking me a ton of questions about like, what's this and what's that and what's this, which I've definitely been guilty of doing to you. <laughs> um but you know, I think in terms of why I specifically gravitate towards single player games. um, I mean, it's probably a combination of things. Like a lot of my earliest memories with gaming um, were as a young person, um, like playing games with my stepfather. Um, Mm -hmm. And he had a very particular taste in games, uh, particularly like fighting games, like Mortal Kombat, Mm -hmm. Soul Calibur, um, shooters. um, uh, Oh my God. What's that game? Time Crisis, uh, like old Dreamcast, Sega stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But it would be very, like, acutely stressful game situations. Lots of violence, lots of... uh, I get... I don't know. I I have PTSD. I have anxiety. And I... um, You know, gore is one thing. Like, gory violence can sort of um, put me in a place that isn't super fun. I mean, I play The Last of Us willingly, so, like... (laughs) It's not <laughs> like it's it's like if a it's game a has score, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think it's about the philosophy around it. I think I find that games that are multiplayer 
um, what you're trying to do is beat someone, right? Like you're trying, mm-hmm. it's not about you versus the game. It's about dominating somebody else. Um, yeah. And so I think when it's violence just to own someone, I'm not as into it, but when it's violence as part of a narrative and it's violence that is maybe not justified, but has its place in a character's story or in understanding some wider truth, I find that I'm much more receptive to that. Um, but like you said, I mean, it's always been a solitary hobby. I think to get back to what I was saying earlier, I think that when I um, started developing my own taste in games and and started learning what it is I liked in games, um, I I started to realize that I had permission to not just play these multiplayer games. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have to play the games that my dad liked. Um, and I have great fun memories too of multiplayer experiences uh, like with my cousins, but those were often, like, I guess I think of multiplayer as a party, a party mm-hmm. activity. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you maybe to bond with, with people or to just hang out with family or to do something when, um, like I'm an introvert, so it's always great to play a game instead of having to make small talk. Um, <laughs> but it's just, I guess I find more of what, I look for out of games that are single player and bef- and we'll get, we'll talk more about that, but I'd love to hear from you. Like, why do you gravitate towards, towards multiplayer games? I mean, <laughs> towards non multiplayer games. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think for me, the number one reason that I don't play a lot of multiplayer games is that I find them incredibly stressful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of social anxiety uh, in general. And so what? when you take, <laughs> is that surprising to you to hear? Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of social anxiety. So when you take this, this hobby that I use for escape that I use to relax, um, and to like, just sink into myself and be solitary. And then you combine it with, oh, and here's other people and yeah. your performance might impact them as well. Like, uh-huh. I just can't get the fuck out of my head about it. Like I can't get the fuck out of my head about it. Um, especially if I'm, pl- you know, most of the I I've definitely gotten into multiplayer games from time to time. Apex Legends I got super into for a while. I've on and off played Call of Duty games over mm-hmm. the years, mostly with my uh, my partner and and his family and friends. Uh, he plays a ton of multiplayer games, and uh, like that's really the only way he plays games. We really couldn't be more different. Oh, We're wow. both intense gamers, but he plays almost exclusively multiplayer, and I play almost exclusively single player. But I will join him and his friends and family and play games from time to time. And it's always, you know, it's a good time. It's really, you know, they're not uh, they're not coming at me like, why aren't you better at the game or anything? They're all very chill. But I can't get out of my head about it. If I'm doing poorly, like, it just makes me feel really shitty. And it turns on all of that hypercritical stuff in my head about myself. And uh, I feel like I'm bringing the team down. I feel mm. like I'm dead weight. Uh, I'll get really, like... Is if there's someone better that you could invite to come play with you guys, you should do that. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll like tell, I'll like say that to my partner. I'll be like, no, we want to play with you. And I'll be like, but I suck. Like, you don't want to play with me. I'll just go play by myself with randos. But then that stresses me out too. So it's a, I don't know. It's just a dangerous space in my head sometimes when I'm playing multiplayer games. It, mm. it turns on like just all of this like negative stuff about myself that, uh, that I don't really want to engage with. Um, you know, when, when I can get out of that and I can get in a good headspace and I can feel good enough, like I don't have to be the best person on the team, but when I can feel competent enough that I don't feel like I'm dragging the team down and can feel like I'm doing okay, it it can be fun. There can be a lot of camaraderie, you know, the joking Mm -hmm. around and, and winning together is, is always cool. But 
there's just so much like 90% of the time I, I can't get into it that way. And instead I'm getting stuck in my head. And yeah. so it just doesn't make it very enjoyable. It certainly doesn't make it relaxing. Yeah. Like I feel like I turn to games like you, like you touched on to get outside of my head a bit. I mm-hmm. sink into this other world, this other experience. And I sort of lose myself uh, willingly because I'm, I'm engaging with this with this other place. And I guess when you're playing multiplayer, at least to me, it sort of takes all of that aspect out of it because I'm suddenly very hyper aware of mm-hmm. that I am this person playing this character and I need to do a good job because there are other people depending on me, especially too when you're talking to people outside of the game, it kind of breaks that fourth wall of of getting immersed and you're you're it's a much more tactical conversation suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um like even times that you and I have played um, like overcooked. We love to play overcooked because we love stress and anxiety, I guess. But I feel like <laughs> oh my us gosh. playing overcooked is a testament to our relationship because I can't yeah. play overcooked with just anyone. I can't even play overcooked with my partner because it's too stressful, but I can play overcooked <laughs> with you. And I think that that says something about our friendship. But even yeah. then, it's like, as much as we're in the game, we're also talking to each other like, oh, mm-hmm. go over there, or I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And it's just... I feel like multiplayer, it is about the game, but it's equally about who you're playing with. And it's it's mm-hmm. not just, it's a different, it's a much different uh, relationship that I have with the game when I'm playing multiplayer than when I'm playing single player. Mm. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think, you know, what you bring up, like couch co-op is almost a different thing to me or mm-hmm. like playing uh, a local, playing locally with someone who's sitting right beside you and playing a game. It it is a, it's a different experience even to playing online multiplayer. And also, I mean, I think you can make the argument. A lot of the games are different. The games that have local uh, multiplayer modes versus online multiplayer modes. It's kind of a different space. Um, I still don't seek out, like, I guess when I'm with a large group of people and we want to play a game, I'm probably going to reach for a board game before I'm going to reach for a video game. Um, but I don't mind playing video. I, yeah, there's just a, I don't know. There's just a line in my head of like the video, like I play video games. Well, I guess we're going to transition on to what I look for in a video game, yeah. which is that I'm looking for uh, a narrative experience. And I guess, um, I feel like I connect when, um, when I'm with a group of people and we want to play a game to connect around having the tactile board game and removing the screen from what we're doing Mm. makes me feel more connected to the people I'm playing with Mm. using video games to connect with a group of people always still feels a little bit removed to me because everyone's looking at the screen instead of looking at each other. Yeah. I feel like the only time that it, the dynamic really works is like a game like until dawn where the purpose mm. of the game is you are, if anyone hasn't played Until Dawn, it's like a game starring Rami Malek, where you're a bunch <laughs> of friends like going to this house and it's like haunted and you have to try and survive the night. And there's a bunch of different ways. Or I don't know if I remember if it's haunted. There's some kind of scary horror tale. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, it kind of is a collection of horror movie tropes. It's a bunch of like young people going to stay in the woods at this, like in this haunted cabin area. Um, And yeah, basically any horror movie trope that you could come up with, they put in this game. And yeah. But I feel like the like the fact that these are fully fleshed 
characters with their own motivations and stories. And like, I think that kind of game translates well to a group uh, and a screen because you're not really trying to connect with each other. You're all have a role to play in this already defined narrative. Whereas Mm -hmm. a game like um, Overcooked or a racing game or a fighting game where it's really not about the narrative. It's just about the action of playing together. Mm -hmm. Um, I would, I a hundred percent, like, I'm like, yeah, of course, like a a board game will get you much more. Well, sorry, I don't want to diss all multiplayer games, but (laughs) no, I I don't think we're dissing. We're simply a board game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're just talking about like what we prefer. It's definitely not meant to be a diss (laughs) on anyone who, who wants it. But uh, I also think, you know, the point that you're making when, because we, we played until dawn together with Mm -hmm. a small group of people and when we were like that game, you're making dialogue decisions. You're making decisions about, am I going to go into the caves or am I going to go into the woods? Like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You can have a conversation with the group about that decision and like connect with each other and learn things about each other in that process versus it's not that we don't learn anything about each other in Overcooked. Perhaps mm-hmm. we learn too much, some <laughs> might say. But in Overcooked, Everything is like being poured into like we are we all have a controller and we are all very intensely focused on the action on the screen and our own performance in that moment versus uh, the experience of playing until dawn where we're we're all having a good time. We're laughing. We're joking. We're laughing at the characters on the (laughs) screen and then we're making decisions collectively together. So there's there's more like there's more bonding and, and learning about each other that can happen in that versus overcooked where it's really the the learning that happens is almost at like an instinctual level of like mm. who's going to like instinctively like take command yeah and be the boss of the space yeah and be the kitchen manager who's the kitchen and top? yeah who's and and all that stuff just happens so like in like on such a i don't know overcooked is a really interesting experiment if you want to learn like where you fit in in your like friend group go play overcooked with them and you will you'll learn things i think that would be a good litmus test for who has what role in the in the zombie apocalypse because it puts you under like intense stress and then just sees how you will react with the others placed in the same situation with you yeah yep (laughs) yeah Uh, so what what do you think then that you look for in video games yeah um (laughs) I play video games for the same reason that I trip on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, great intro. I think we're done. I think we can leave it at that. And I mean, I, I the reason I say that is because I think I go to them because I'm looking for an experience that I will not be able to create for myself. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm looking to be pushed. I'm looking to learn something about myself. And I'm also looking for a break from, like, I guess I, I'm i very sporadic. And I feel like in how I approach games, like there's some years where I'll only play one or two games a year. And there's other years mm. where I'll, I'll be playing a new game every month. And it all has to do with, like, I, I approach each game like a relationship. Like, I don't invest unless I feel like there's something that I'm going to get out of it or that there's something that I'm not that selfish when I approach relationships, but I, I <laughs> say is that um, it takes a lot of energy and passion mm-hmm. and emotion and time when you're engaging with a video game. And um, I just, I, I want to get something out of that. And I think I look um, like, I love to read. I'm a big science fiction fantasy person. Um, and I just, 
I it's it's very experiential for me. Um and I wanna connect with a character. I, I don't wanna mm-hmm. feel like just like an empty avatar. And um like that was part of the reason why uh the twenty eighteen God of War kind of excited me so much just because up until that point I had known Kratos as being this very um like God of War was very like hack and slashy. It was very gory. Uh, you as this character were just fueled by this rate, this bottomless rage. And yeah. I just had a hard time like finding much to relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and when this story, like just like Kratos is still a complicated and maybe you might say a bad person, um, but there's so much more there's so much dimension brought to this character, the relationship with Atreus, his son, and and what that allows, uh, you know, the narrative to do with his character and how it affects his character and this foil that Atreus plays. Like, like yes, I'm playing it for the amazing fight dynamics and the beautiful graphics and the beautiful world, but what I stay up at night thinking about is the micro interactions between Atreus and Kratos. I think about. Atreus is back turned and you reaching your arm to touch him and then deciding at the last second that you can't like, that's the stuff that I'm thinking about Mm -hmm. uh, long after the game is done. And that's the feeling that I'm chasing that kind of that soul piercing uh, that soul, that life giving feeling that you get after completing a book that you couldn't put down. It's like the piece of it that you carry with you and what that teaches you. Like, I think, um, you know, if spending 50 to 200 hours with something, um, like I said, it's just, it's, it's going to change you. And so I want that change to be something that helps me grow. <laughs> yeah. I think that's super, super valid. What about you? Uh, I don't think it's terribly dissimilar. Mm-hmm. Um, I have such a wide uh, gamut of games that interest me. Yeah. Um, I think the number one thing that's going to attract me and keep me in a game is narrative and characters, for sure. Um, If there's uh, characters that I find interesting, character growth that's happening that is compelling, um, a narrative that is intriguing, that's the number one thing that's going to keep me there. It does have to... There has to be something enjoyable, obviously, about the mechanics, um, but the mechanics are usually second a secondary concern for mm. me. You know, we were talking about Supergiant earlier, and really none of their Supergiant. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, as a developer, they've they made Bastion, uh, then they made Transistor, then Pyre, uh, mm. and now Hades. Their games are. Like I said, they're my favorite developer of all time. And I think it's because they do so much of what I love. Like, great art. Yeah. Super interesting characters. Deep world building. Complicated and compelling narratives. Like, they do all of that stuff. Like, just chef's kiss. Like, mm-hmm. everything. Like and, and the art's a huge draw for me, too. Like, they're, the art in their games is so I've never so been sexually cool. attracted to a sword before. <laughs> yeah, Transistor, right? With the, and the voice acting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but n- the mechanics, like, the gameplay of all those games, first of all, all four of them have pretty dramatically different gameplay. Um, Bastion's a pretty straightforward action-adventure game. 
Um, Transistor is like kind of an RTS, a real-time strategy game mixed with action adventure. Um, Pyre is like, Pyre, I can't even begin to describe. It's like, uh, it's like a basketball (laughs) mixed with an RTS. Uh, It's like a, yeah, like, and also like, that's set inside of uh, an Oregon trail, uh, mm. like choose your own adventure mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of, but like if that sounds like an insane combination of elements, it's because it is, and you should play Pyre. It's an incredibly yeah. interesting game. Uh, and then Hades is a, is a rogue roguelite. Right. Um, yeah. and really like on their surface, none of, none of that is what I would generate towards. Typically I would say, you know, in terms of the mechanics that I probably play the most, it's third person um, action adventure mm-hmm. or RPG. I hate first person. And I'm not. I'm not big on first person. I have a lot of trouble uh, connecting with the character. Yeah. In first person games, there's something about not being able to see my character mm-hmm. um, that really doesn't. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't in- intrigue me. I, I know the point of that is supposed to be that like you become the character or like you are the character the opposite but I guess, effect happens i know i just i don't want to insert myself into the story that way i don't need That's... to be in their eyeballs to feel that <laughs> yeah and there's something that like yeah it, it actually creates a distanced effect right as skyrim is kind of the one first person game that i can think of that i've gotten super duper into mm-hmm. but skyrim also gives you so much um to engage with in the world mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really interested to see um, Cyberpunk, right? Yeah. Cyberpunk 2077 coming out this year. And like, there's so much I want to be excited about with that game. But the fact that it's first person is really like kind of <sighs> hampering my <laughs> excitement for getting into that world. I mean, with Skyrim, I loved when I, I like that you had the option to kind of zoom out and zoom back in. Like, I, mm-hmm, like that's said, true. Yeah. If you're reading a book or something, it was nice to be able to like, zoom into first person. Um, Sorry, that was an aside because I was going to say like, oh, I wonder if cyberpunk will have options because that also hurts my heart to hear. Yeah. It's just claustrophobic. But anyway, yeah, go on. Claustrophobic or I don't know. And also a lot of times when games uh, give you that first person view, they don't when when your character talks, it's just a disembodied voice. Mm. If they talk at all, a lot of those games will have a silent protagonist, which I mm-hmm. fucking hate. Mm-hmm. I want to fucking hear this character. I want to get to know them. Yeah. I guess I'm I'm not. I'm definitely going to – I want to play a game so I can pretend to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess that's something I'm looking for is like, yeah, getting out of my own head, putting myself into someone else's shoes, and then making decisions as them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something about a first-person game that is trying more to put you as yourself into the narrative mm-hmm. and like strip away this concept that it's a different character. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't like that. I actually struggle to connect with that. Because I want to connect to an entry point character who's introducing me to this world. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was just gonna say too, like 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 I play to to be someone else or mm-hmm. to through this persona discover another aspect of myself that maybe yeah. I wouldn't normally bring to the surface uh because I'm not like the the opportunity does not present itself, but in this Mm -hmm. world where I can be anything or or I'm playing a certain role, like I can explore these other aspects of my humanity that are typically not at the forefront. Mm -hmm. So when you're, you've, you've mentioned before, like 
like when we were playing Kentucky Route Zero, you came across that game because you specifically went and looked for a list. And I know you've said you spent a lot of time really yeah. looking for the next game you want to play. What What is like the criteria that you're looking for them? Yeah. Um, what boxes are you trying to check before you start up a new game? Yeah. I think that I typically, I, I mean, lately with Kentucky Route Zero, like I've, I've been getting more into this kind of side-scrolling adventure. Um, but I typically am someone who specifically looks for an adventure game or open-world game just because I like mm-hmm. the autonomy. I like the be able to be able to choose and jump in and out of a main quest as well as um, explore or just like fuck around or, or mm-hmm. level up, what have you. I like customizability. Um, I think if I were to really hone in though, because I, I play all sorts of games that don't fall within that, I would say that's, that's top level what I'm drawn towards because those types of games tend to have more of what I really look for, which is what I look for out of, I would say the sci-fi and fantasy that I read, which is the world building. Like mm-hmm. I want to feel like this world exists independently of me mm-hmm. um, and that I'm a witness uh, on something that is going to give me something in return. Um, and I guess I look for, um, I think what I'm looking for is that ability to feel immersed like I don't like when there's just one track that you're on and that's where you're going towards I like this idea of like games that have mystery games Mm -hmm. that if you that reward you for going off the beaten track games that reward Mm. you not just for completing levels or beating the boss but for connecting with other characters or for Mm. doing something just um to learn about yourself like Mm -hmm. an easy example of that is the last of us of course like and scenes where there's a special dialogue option that you get with a character it's totally optional whether or not you choose to engage with it but if you do you might just learn something about that character or about their relationship um, with ellie or joel Mm -hmm. or abby (laughs) and um i I like that. I like feeling, I like knowing that there were people who cared not just about what these people were doing, but who these people are mm-hmm. um, and about uh, the that, that shared appreciation. Like they uh, set up this world with all of the, with these Easter eggs, with, with these secrets to reward people who like them have the same love and appreciation um, for these characters in this world. Like, mm-hmm. like that kind of depth is what I look for. Um, and it's it's hard to know from the surface level, like before you get into a game, what kind of games will have that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really driven by story, but I, I like to be an autonomous active player in that story. Um, so I think that's why it can take me a while to find games because all kinds of games can have, like it, like independent of genre, um, games can have that 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 magical quality of, of being of of trying to transcend just being a game it's not just a game mm-hmm. it's it's a whole world with with people who feel and struggle and die some without even having names like finding artifacts like now that I'm thinking about the last of us but like finding artifacts in the game mm-hmm. and, and realizing that there's this whole like uh, this whole story of what happened in Seattle before you even got there that you can yeah. piece together that isn't even part of the main campaign. Like, like that's the kind of stuff that 
makes a game transcend the screen. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's that's the kind of stuff that I look for. Um, what, yeah. what about you? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's a great answer. I think um, I'm so rarely someone who I, I will go scroll the PlayStation Store to some extent, but I'm more scrolling like my wish list of mm-hmm. already like pre-selected games. I I guess what I would the number one criteria I would say or like the number one way that I go find games is that uh, I, I'm just I'm highly susceptible to what other people have to say about yeah. a game, and and so it really is that I you know I consume a lot of games media and I listen to people have conversations about ga- games. And when people start talking about a game that they are passionate about and they are excited about the characters in the story, that's what gets me interested in the mm-hmm. characters and story. And then usually I'll go look up that game some more. I'll watch a little bit of the gameplay and see if it looks intriguing. Does the artwork look intriguing? Mm. And if that all seems appealing, then that's probably going to get it on my wish list um, or get it into my cart and and be something that I'm going to play. Uh, yeah, the, the tougher uh, decision comes then like, you know, as we've talked about my backlog before, once it's in my backlog, uh, once it's on the on the PlayStation, <laughs> then when do I actually get around to playing it? You know, when I finish a game and then I have to go looking for something else, then it becomes much more of a mood thing. Mm. And that's when I am thinking a little bit more about the mechanics. So it piques my interest if someone's saying this has really good characters, this has a really interesting narrative. Yeah. That's when I'm like, ooh, ooh, my antenna are up. I'm going to look into this game. Uh, but then when it comes time to actually start something to play, it's more like, what are the mechanics that I'm in the mood for? Mm-hmm. If I'm sleepy, I can't go play a game that's got oh. a lot of text on the screen. Yeah. That's going to put me right to sleep. I'm not a big reader. Like, I'm I'm just a slow reader. And so it's kind of challenging for me to to read a lot of text anyway. Um, so if I'm tired, like, that's not going <laughs> to, it's not going to work out. Or like, you know, like I was saying with playing Hades, like, I've got to be very alert and ready to engage and ready to get the like sweaty palms because of the combat in that game. So that's that's when it becomes more of a mood thing um, mm-hmm. when I'm thinking about the mechanics. But what's actually going to draw me to the game is the the characters and the narrative every time. Yeah. And yeah, like I definitely relate to like because it's so hard to tell sometimes from just the cover, like what kind of environment or how rich the world of a game is going to be i definitely am someone who like both doesn't necessarily want to be want to know all the details of a story before i start the game because i like to be surprised but also wants to know like how it made people feel what they generally think about it like um would they like how would they rate the gameplay how would like what how do they review it um like i I definitely am someone who tries to get a piece as much of that as I can without spoiling myself, which is a dangerous game. (laughs) And I guess I'm sitting here realizing that like, because then I was thinking like, what is it that people say about a game that actually like, like really interests me? And I was reminded of um, the conversation, the early conversations that I heard around Spiritfarer. Mm. And I I do have a certain draw towards games that have like a sadness or exploring um, sadness in some way or grief or death. Uh, I definitely have a bit of a morbid draw. So I think if people are saying like this game made me cry or this Mm -hmm. game made me really feel X powerful emotion, um, I'm less inclined for someone to be like, this game is just so fun. It's just Mm -hmm. so bubbly and enjoyable. And I laughed the whole time. 
Mm-hmm. Probably not going to draw me in. If you're like, this game made me sob for an hour. I'm like, ooh, what's the name? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would love to sob for an hour. <laughs> pain. Yeah. So. I'd love to sob for an hour about something other than my own baggage. <laughs> right? Like, there's something really freeing and like being really upset about something happening to somebody else. Um, <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed this co-op mode episode, our first one. Let us know what you think. Uh, you know, rate it, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, send us nice things in the comments yeah. um, uh, or, yeah. or bad things if you didn't like it, I guess. You know, you can say bad things to us, too, but we'd much prefer you say nice things. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the time is up for this co-op mode, this session of Pixel Therapy. And we, uh, you know, we do thank you for tuning in, for listening to us chat today. Uh, we really hope you enjoyed it. We hope you'll subscribe. We hope you'll rate us. If you do want to reach out to us, uh, maybe you've got a great story about a game that changed you, a guest recommendation, a question. Really, truly, if you have a question, something to say to us, please uh, feel free to reach out to us on social media or via our email address, which is pixeltherapypod at gmail.com. And uh, if we do get people writing into us and we think you have interesting questions or interesting stories to tell, we will certainly read it on the show sometime. Uh, I already mentioned social media. You can follow us there on Instagram and other stuff at Pixel Therapy Pod. Um, Or you can always check out our website at pixeltherapypod.com, which is where you can see the list of all of our episodes. Spencer? Finally. Since we like to put our money and our energy where our collective mouth is, Jamie and my shared mouth. Um, shared mouth. One mouth. <laughs> one mouth. One, two brains. Two hearts. <laughs> oh, my God. That's our new <laughs> our new tagline is two brains, one mouth, two hearts. Oh, God. Oh God please help <laughs> um, So <laughs> we like to end every episode with a recommended side quest. Um, just think of these for ideas for how you can get involved uh, locally or nationally, just cool projects, cool causes that we think more folks should know about. Um, This week, we're going to touch on something a little close to home for us. (laughs) We live in Massachusetts, and uh, Massachusetts is the home of the Transgender Emergency Fund, which can be found at transgenderemergencyfund.org. And it provides critical um, direct assistance to low-income and trans, uh, transgender people who are low-income and or experiencing homelessness and living in Massachusetts. Um, it's a community-run, community-driven resource. Um, it's, it's, and it's important that, um, you know, trans folks, especially Black trans folks, are able to lead for themselves, create resources for themselves, um, and for us to support that. Um, uh, coming up in November, on November 22nd, is Trans Day of Remembrance. Um, and the transgender, but the Boston transgender and gender nonconforming community will be coming together um, to mourn those who have been taken from us due to anti-transgender violence. Um, this trans, this tradition actually began in 1998 with the murder of Rita Hester in Alston, Massachusetts, and now. Two decades later, the Transgender Day of Remembrance is honored worldwide. Um, this is a day to remember the lives of hundreds of transgender and gender nonconforming people who have been who have had their lives taken by violence over the past year. Um, you can sign up on transgenderemergencyfund.org for this uh, virtual event on Sunday, November twenty November twenty second, twenty twenty, and you can donate um, and and spread the word. Let your friends know um, that this exists. Um, and and yeah hope you would consider uh, trans folks in MA when you're considering who you want to give to. Um, Thanks. Thank you for that side quest. Uh, That is our show today. 
Uh, so go forth, run a story mission, level up some stats, uh, <laughs> and don't forget to hug an NPC every now and then. We will be back so soon with some more Pixel Therapy. Pixel Therapy. <laughs> I just wow. say it at the same time as you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one more time. Uh, we'll be back soon with some more Pixel, Pixel Therapy. therapy. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you.